welcome to LBC Irregulars, a Sherlock Holmes podcast radio episode brought to you by the Longbox Crusade. This is episode four of the radio series. I'm your host, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Probe. And I'll be taking you through the vintage radio show appearances of Sherlock Holmes. For the foreseeable future, I plan to focus solely on the Nigel Bruce and Basil Rathbone New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes show that aired from 1939 to 1947, although Tom Conway took over for Basil Rathbone as Holmes in late 1946. But anyways, I may step out to other radio show appearances from our favorite London-based detective from time to time, but for now, we're going to keep it in the, the 1939 to 1947 shows. Now, this is not an index show. We're not going to start at the beginning and go one by one, mainly because the history and availability of these old radio shows is an absolute rat's nest. <laughs> especially finding radio shows of a decent audio quality. Some episodes even have multiple titles depending on how and where they were released. So we're going to hop around in time and listen to randomly selected episodes on this podcast. In this episode, we will be listening to The Book of Tobit from Season 5, Episode 75, that aired March 6th, 1945. And I want to thank the Arthur Conan Doyle Encyclopedia website, they are keeping me straight on all these dates and release times and seasons, and it's a good resource, folks. Once again, that's the Arthur Conan Doyle Encyclopedia website. Now, after we listen to the case of the double zero, my guests and I will discuss our thoughts on it, and we invite you to be part of the conversation. You can leave us a voicemail with your thoughts at 707-532-5269, 707-532-LBOX, or comment on the show at Longbox Crusade, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube all Longbox Crusade or email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com your comments just might get played or read on a future episode now it's time for the show let's dim the lights travel back in our minds to a London of the past through the chilled and foggy streets to 221B Baker Street This episode from the life of Sherlock Holmes will be transmitted to our men and women overseas by shortwave and through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Petri Wine brings you... Battle Rathbone and Nigel Bruce in the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine... Invite you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us about an exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. And while you're getting comfortable, I'd like to tell you about an old, old American custom. The custom of serving a glass of sherry wine before dinner. Petri California Sherry. You know, Petri Sherry is to a good meal what the overture is to a good musical comedy or an opera. Before you sit down at the dinner table, just pour yourself a little glass of Petri Sherry and sip it slowly. Look at that beautiful amber color. Smell the fragrance of those sun-ripened grapes. And taste that fine sherry flavor. You'll agree with me, I'm sure, that Petri Sherry is the best beginning a good meal ever had. And say, if you happen to like your sherry dry, as I do, you'll really like Petri Pale Dry Sherry. Believe me, you can't go wrong with any wine that bears the name Petri, the proudest name in the history of American wines. And now let's drop in on the good Dr. Watson, who's waiting for us in his California ranch house. Good evening, Doctor. Good evening, Mr. Foreman. Come in and make yourself a toe. Thank you, Doctor. Sitting here with the lights off, I see. 
Have you been getting yourself in the mood for tonight's Sherlock Holmes story? No, my boy, I was watching the sunset. Quite a beautiful tonight. I doctor the sunset over an hour ago. Yes, I know that, young fellow, my lad. I know that. But at my age, a fellow's entitled to take a little snooze after dinner, isn't he? Of course he is, doctor. And now that we've settled that, how about tonight's story? Well, a very beautiful girl figured prominently in this adventure, Mr. Foreman. Her name was Jasmine Lafleur. Huh? Say that again, doctor, please. <laughs> I know, my boy, but that was her stage name. When she was a magician's assistant, unfortunately, I never had the opportunity of seeing Jasmine Lafleur in the theater. But I'm told that she was a, a fascinating figure in tights and in spangles. <laughs> when Holmes and I first met her, however, she was uh, dressed a little more conventionally. And her name was then Diana Venering, Lady Venering. Lady Venering? Say, those tights and spangles really paid off, didn't they? Well, how did you and Sherlock Holmes come to meet up with her, Doctor? In rather spectacular style, Mr. Foreman. Miss Lafleur became something of a femme fatale in the early 1900s. First of all, she married Signor Rossoni, the magician for whom she was working. On the wedding night, he was mysteriously stabbed to death. A few months later, Madame Rossoni, very fetching in her widow's weeds, I'm sure, met Sir Wilfrid Venering. And, after a whirlwind courtship, she married him. Don't tell me he got murdered, too. He did, Miss. Also on the night of the wedding. But this time, the police found a suspect. It was a certain Major Beckworth, cousin of the dead man, and an ardent suitor of the fair Diana. The trial at the Old Bailey was one of the most sensational I ever remember. Sherlock Holmes and I, in, in court on the closing day as the jury, were still considering their verdict. Holmes, the, the jury's been out over eight hours. I bet you they can't agree on a verdict. There'll be a new trial. I think not, old chap. Look, here they come now. You know, there's a strong moral probability of guilt, but I'm sure they'll agree that there's insufficient evidence to convict. Oh, perhaps you're right. Just look at Lady Venering down there ahead of us. What a, what a stunning woman. Yes, and a woman of great poise and courage. Here it comes. Gentlemen of the jury, have you arrived at a verdict? We have, my lord. How say you? You find the defendant guilty or not guilty? Not guilty. Exactly. Come on, Watson. Let's get a breath of fresh air. Well, I was wondering, perhaps, if we shouldn't go over and congratulate Lady Venering. On what? The fact that her husband's murderer has not been found? Oh, I suppose you're right. Have you ever read the book of Turbot, Watson? Turbot? I don't think so. When was it published? Well, a little before our time, old chap. It's an Old Testament story. <laughs> Whatever made you think of it at this moment? Well, it's so remarkably apposite for the case of Lady Venering. Deals with a highly peculiar series of murders, seven of them, if I remember correctly. Who was the murderer? A jealous demon by the name of Asmodeus. He strangled husbands on their wedding nights. Well, judging by the verdict just now, Mr. Beckworth isn't the Asmodeus, or whatever you call him in this case. Well, Holmes, what does it say? Henry, here we are. Listen to this. Oh. Lady Venering, widow of the murdered man, says that she will marry the suspect. Lady Venering told newspaper reporters this afternoon that if Major Beckwith is acquitted, she will marry him before the year is out. Oh, from her soul, Holmes, there's a positive sparkle in your eyes. You read about her. I must admit the lady fascinates me, old chap. I hope before she becomes involved in any further tragedies that we may have the opportunity of meeting her. And something tells me that we will. The papers are certainly having a field day over the Venering case, Holmes. <laughs> Did you read them? 
No, I didn't watch them. There's a complete life history of Lady Venering in one of them with photographs. It's uh, rather interesting. Really? What are you doing over there, Holmes? Looking out of the window. Ah, yes, yes. You expecting anybody, Holmes? No, come over here, old fellow. Oh, it's a clergyman. Yes, a very agitated one. Look at the way he's pacing up and down. And looking up at our window, too. Uh, Joe, what eyes? Yes, there's a fanatical look about him, which suggests either the martyr at the stake or the inquisitor lighting the faggots. Mrs. Hudson's letting him in now. Well, I'll be interested to know what he's come to us about. I hear footsteps on the stairs here. I'll, I'll go and have a look. How do you do, sir? Uh, come along in, won't you? It's all right, thank you, Mrs. Hudson. You're Mr. Sherlock Holmes? I am, sir, and this is my colleague, Dr. Watson. My name is Whalen, the Reverend Arthur Whalen. How do you do, sir? How do you do, sir? Sit down, would you, and uh, tell me what I can do for you. Oh, thank you. Mr. Holmes, this, this is a very difficult subject to broach. In fact, it's only after intense personal conflict that I've been able to force myself to come to you. May I ask you, are you familiar with the Book of Tobit? Book of Tobit? You were talking about that yesterday, huh? I see that you've come to consult me about the Venering case. But that's amazing. How did you know? Has Lady Venering been in touch with you? Uh, no, sir, but uh, I'm familiar with the Book of Tobit. Lady Venering's case closely resembles that of the woman Sarah in the Old Testament story. More closely than you realize, Mr. Holmes. Did you know that before each one of Lady Venering's husbands was killed... They received a threatening note? Yes, I recall that from the trial. Signed in some sort of gibberish, weren't they, sir? No, Doctor. Yesterday I was permitted for the first time to examine one of these books. The apparent gibberish was in reality ancient Hebrew writing. Indeed. Were you able to translate it? Yes, Mr. Holmes. In effect, it said, if you go through with this marriage, your hours are numbered. And it was signed Asmodeus. The name of the jealous demon who strangled husbands in the book of Tobit. Exactly. Just why have you come to me, sir? I want you to talk to Diana, uh, to Lady Vannering, to tell her she must not go through with this new marriage. Mother is stalking her, Mr. Holmes. I have argued with her, prayed with her, implored her to realize her danger. But she is adamant. Ah, I'm afraid I feel extremely presumptuous in giving her my advice. No, Mr. Holmes. I have prepared the way for you. You could, I'm sure, not realize her danger. And she's willing to see me, you say? Willing and anxious. Oh, very well. But I'd like to ask you a few questions first. Anything, Mr. Holmes. What is your interest in her? She is, she's a member of my flock. She needs my guidance. Nothing further? No, Mr. Holmes. Okay, I believe that you uh, performed the marriage ceremony at both of her previous weddings. Yes. Are you proposing to officiate the uh, ceremony if she marries Major Beckwith? I don't know. I'm hoping that marriage will never take place. And so I want you to help me, Mr. Holmes. Where does the lady live? 47, Barclay Square. Very well. Dr. Watson and I will call on her this afternoon. Delighted to. Delighted I doubt if I can be there myself. In fact, Diana might speak more freely if I'm not. But uh, here's my, my card. Oh, thank You'll you. will know where to get in touch with me if you want to. Very well, sir. Good day to you, gentlemen. And I, I'm greatly in your debt. Well, good day. Good day. Strange business, Holmes. I, I can't believe that Mr. Whalen's motives are entirely impersonal. Nor can I, old chap. <laughs> <laughs> What are you laughing about? I was thinking of the book of Tobit once. Hmm? In that, the role of protector, the role I had just been asked to take, uh, was played by the archangel Raphael. I can't help feeling, Watson, that I'm making distinct strides in my profession. Mr. Sherlock Holmes, I'm so glad to meet you. How do you do, Lady Venering? May I introduce my old friend, Dr. Watson? How are you, Dr. Watson? I'm awfully glad to meet you, Lady Venering. 
Uh, let's sit down, Sherry. You're just in time for tea. Thank you. Um, you know why we're here, of course. Oh, naturally. Mr. Whalen came round here as soon as he'd left you. Uh, you were to persuade me to look after my mortal affairs, uh, while he takes care of my immortal ones. Isn't that it? May I say, Mr. Holmes, that I'm flattered that a man of your eminence should be sufficiently interested to bother about You me. underestimate your own importance, Lady Benring. Though I may mention that if your problem had been as simple as Mr. Whaler made it out to be, I might have been otherwise engaged. For being very frank and a little mysterious. Are you suggesting that Mr. Whalen didn't tell you everything? I am. And I hope you will be more candid with <laughs> Sherlock Holmes, I like you. <laughs> You're most refreshing. Uh, milk and sugar in your tea? Uh, just milk, thank you. Here you are. How about you, Dr. Watson? Oh, just the same way, please. Thank you, my dear. And now, Mr. Holmes, perhaps you'll tell me why you think that you haven't been told everything. Before I answer that, uh, Lady Venering, I wonder if I might ask you some questions. But of course, anything. When your first husband, uh, Sigur Rossoni, was killed, did the police find any suspects? Uh, yes, one. Ferdinand Gautier, a young man who had been an assistant in our magician's act. A uh, stupid, good-looking boy who thought he was in love with me. But of course, Inspector Lestrade had to release him. There was no evidence. Inspector Lestrade, well, you can bet that if he arrested him, <laughs> the boy was innocent. A warning note was found among your husband's effects, wasn't it? Yes, and it was signed in Hebrew with the name Asmodeus. Uh, but perhaps you're not familiar with the Book of Torah. Oh, yes, yes, I am. I'm familiar with it, Lady Venering. Uh, how did you know then that the Hebrew letters signified that name? Mr. Whelan translated them for me. Oh, I see. And also read me the Book of Tobit. Uh, he's always been particularly fond of that book. Perhaps because it illustrates his own ideas on the dangers of marriage. Well, he told us that he hadn't seen one of the warning notes until yesterday. Precisely. Lady Venering, I read in the papers that you intend to marry Major Beckwith, the man who has just been tried for your late husband's murder. Yes, Mr. Holmes. When are you going to marry him, may I ask? But it pleases me. Doesn't it occur to you that uh, a great deal of comment will be caused? Also that Major Beckwith's life is in obvious danger? Of course it occurs to me, my dear man. But because of two tragic marriages, am I to spend the rest of my life alone? As Mr. Whelan would have me do. I'm young. Alive. Peter, what are you doing here? I just arrived back in England today, Diana. What's this I read about you marrying Beckwith? Peter, I've guessed. Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. This is Peter McComas. One of our most promising young painters. Diana, tell me it isn't true. When I left England, you loved me. And I, you. I come back and what do I find? You're planning to marry Beckwith. Well, I won't stand for it. If you think you can throw me over like some silly boy, you're very much mistaken. I can tell things, you know. I can tell lots of things. Get out of here, Peter. Get out. Diana. And don't come back until you've learned manners. And discretion. But, but, Diana. Get out. I'm sorry, Jen. Were there any more questions you wanted to ask me, Mr. Holmes? Uh, one, Lady Venering. Uh, where is your fiancé, Major Beckwith? He's upstairs. Uh, I'm letting him stay here until the scandal of the trial has died down. I must see him at once. At once? Why, Holmes? He's in no danger until the marriage takes place? The marriage has taken place, Watson, unless what? I'm very much mistaken. It makes you think so, Mr. Holmes. You're much too discreet and intelligent, Lady Venering, to let him stay here in your house unless you were already married. <laughs> we were married this morning. But we planned to keep the fact a secret for a few months until the scandal had died down. May I talk to him, please? Of course. I'll ring for the butler and ask him to come down. May I ask, uh, madam, who married you? The Reverend Arthur Whelan, of course. Oh, and all the time he talked to us today, he knew perfectly well this marriage had taken place. He must have just come from it. I don't trust that man, Holmes. Oh, there you are, Hudson. I just rang for you. Uh, will you ask Major Beckwith? Excuse me, lady. I, I was just on my way to telephone the police. The police? 
What do you mean? It's Major Beckwith, my lady. He's been stabbed to death in his bath. Beckwith murdered, too. Hodgson, I'll telephone the police. And now I'm rather well acquainted with Inspector Lestrade. Excuse me, Jack. A dreadful business, Holmes. A third husband murdered on his wedding day. But what a woman, Watson. Superb, magnificent. What on earth do you mean, Holmes? What courage. What unconquerable spirit in the face of a fresh tragedy. Watson, she fascinates me. I haven't seen such a splendid female since we solved that case for the Bohemia. Dr. Watson's story will continue in just a few seconds. Time enough to remind you that the easiest way to make good food taste better is to serve that good food with a swell Petri wine. And there are two Petri wines in particular just made to go with food. Petri California Sauterne, a delicate white wine with a subtle flavor that's perfect with chicken and fish. And Petri California Burgundy, a hearty, rich red wine that's out of this world with any meat or meat dish. So if you want to know just how good a cook you are, serve your good food with Petri wine made to go with it. A Petri Burgundy or a Petri Sauterne. Two swell Petri mealtime wines. And now back to tonight's new Sherlock Holmes adventure. The famous detective and his old friend Dr. Watson have become involved in the affairs of thrice-married Diana, one-time magician's assistant. Each of her husbands has been mysteriously murdered on his wedding day, the latest murder occurring on the same day that Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson are brought into the case. As we rejoin our story, it's a month later, and for some obscure reason, Sherlock Holmes seems to have lost interest in the case, though not in the beautiful... Mr. Holmes. Yes, Mr. Stard? It's over a month now since Major Beckwith was murdered, and we haven't found a single clue to it. Do you expect me to supply the deficiencies of Scotland Yard? Well, it's unlikely not to help us, Mr. Holmes. And after all, you and Dr. Watson were in the house when it happened. If you ask me, the murderer's either McComas, that Irish painter, or the clergyman Wayland. What do you think, sir? As far as I'm concerned, the case is closed, Mr. Stard, and I wish you'd stop bothering me. What do you think I am? Nothing but a detecting machine? Mr. Holmes, whatever's come over you? Holmes, you're not going out again this evening, are you? I'm afraid so, old chap. Well, this will be the fourth night in a row. I was hoping that we might have a nice, quiet evening in front of the fire. Oh, I'm sorry, Watson, but I promised to take Diana to the horse show at Olympia. I should be home by midnight. Mr. Holmes. Yes, Mr. Whelan? You're seeing altogether too much of Diana. She seems to be completely under your spell. But you introduced me to her in the first place with a request that I keep an eye on her. I made a great mistake. As her spiritual protector, I'm afraid I must ask you to stop seeing her. I'm afraid I must ask you, sir, to mind your own business. I say, Holmes, have you seen the paper that that violinist, this highway, is playing at the Albert Hall tonight? No, I haven't looked at the paper today. Oh, I thought perhaps we might go along and see Oh, I'm afraid I can't hold you up. No, I'm taking Diana to the French maid at Dahlia's Theatre. I hear it's a, a charming musical comedy. Here, Holmes. We've been friends for a good many years now. Very true, old fellow. And I think I'm entitled to speak to you straight from the shoulder. Of course you are, Watson. Very well, then. This Diana Beckworth. Oh. Uh, yes, it's your own business, I suppose, but I can't bear to see her making such a fool of you. You've neglected your work entirely since you met her. You get about as though you're a young fellow twenty. What's come over you, Holmes? Stop, stop pacing about, old chap, will you, and sit down. In fact, uh, it might be a good idea if you fortified yourself with a little brandy from the tantalus there. Uh, what I'm about to tell you uh, may be something of a shock. Um, Watson, uh, uh, Diana 
and I are getting married tomorrow. What did you say, Al? And I'm getting married tomorrow. But uh, you're insane. Oh, that's not very flattering, Watson. Anyway, I don't see why you should be so surprised. You, you, you yourself married and left Baker Street once, didn't you? For you, Holmes, a confirmed woman. Oh, no, 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 my dear Watson. No, indeed, no. You will remember in our adventure that you titled A Scandal in Bohemia, I met a lady that I have often referred to as a, well, the woman. You mean Irene Adler, but she was a criminal. Exactly, and yet Diana has the same magnificent characteristic. Keen intelligence, courage, and unconquerable spirit. At home, three of her husbands murdered on their wedding nights. You're proposing to be the fall. Oh, rubbish, my dear fellow, because tragedy has attended her previous marriages. Is she to go through life alone? Holmes, you, uh, you really mean it, don't you? Of course I do. I think I will have a nip of brandy. Oh, don't take it so bad, old fellow. We'll continue to see a lot of each other. Diana's very fond of you, you know. Oh, Leon. Yeah. Who's going to perform the ceremony? Not the, the Reverend Mr. Whaler. Oh, no, 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 no. We decided, in view of Diana's previous marriages, that he might prove to be a trifle, uh, well, unlucky. A clergyman named Bernay will officiate. Whalen, of course, insists on being present just the same. Uh, what time is the wedding tomorrow? Two o'clock, old fellow. Oh, um, I should have mentioned this before. I hope your cutaway coat and top hat are in a good state of preservation. You'll be a pretty prominent figure at the ceremony, you know. You mean that, uh, that... Well, I mean that uh, if Sherlock Holmes gets married, who else can be his best man but his old friend, Dr. Watson? It's elementary, my dear fellow, elementary. I now pronounce who men and wife. And those whom God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Diana, I'm going to claim the privilege of the best man and <laughs> give you a kiss. Of course you shall, Doctor. Sure, Holmes, you it's Lucky Fuller. Of course I am, old chap. Uh, Sherlock, I'm going upstairs to change my dress now. Very well, Diana. I'll be up shortly. I'll see you later, Dr. Watson. Very well, Mrs. Holmes. <laughs> I never thought I'd live to say that. Uh, what's not, fellow? I'm worried. Worried today? Oh, my dear fellow, what's the matter? Well, just before the ceremony, I received one of those warning notes signed by Asmodeus. Oh, you better be careful, Holmes. I think I'll slip out and have a pipe or two on the matter. Yes. Look after my guests for me, will you? And... Keep your eyes open and your ears. Yes, I will indeed. Oh, there you are, Mr. Whelan. Would you care for a glass of champagne or a punch or something or other? Thank you, no, Doctor. I'm in no mood for celebration. I'm certain that Diana has made a shocking mistake. Well, really, sir, I don't think... I, I only came here in a last-minute attempt to dissuade her. Now that I've failed, I shall leave. Good day, sir. Yes, sir. Dr. Watson. Oh, hello, McCormick. Where's Mr. Holmes? We'll be back in a few minutes. Would you care for a glass of champagne, sir? Well, thank you. I should like to drink a toast to the pair. I've been in love with Diana for years, you know, but she wouldn't marry me, and well, I suppose I might as well make the best of it. I must say, your friend Sherlock Holmes seems like a splendid fellow. He is indeed, McCormick. In fact, I may say... Excuse me, sir. All right, Holmes, I'm coming. What is the matter, Holmes? Follow me, lock the door behind you. Allow me to introduce you to the demon Asmodeus, Watson. Unfortunately, at the moment, she's in a faint. Good Lord. It's Diana. Exactly. Always an impetuous woman. She made the mistake of trying to stab me with that knife. So I bent over to strap up a suitcase. She didn't allow for the wall mirror in which I was watching her. You mean you suspected her all along? Yes, I did, old fellow. The problem was to find the proof. I first suspected her when I knew that she had been a magician's assistant. 
The key to the profession of magic is misdirection, and these murders have been a perfect example of misdirection motive. How do you mean, Holmes? Well, by creating epitaphs, thanks to the well-meaning stories of uh, the Reverend Mr. Whalen, whose theological libraries... She must have copied the Hebrew signature. She focused the murders on jealousy, concealing the fact that the one person with a perfect motive was herself, the widow who was to inherit. Oh, why hasn't she been caught before? Oh, she was clever, devilishly clever. She left no clues except an indirect one that I had once spotted, that the likeliest person to be able to approach a bridegroom unsuspected and stab him is his bride. And now I wish you'd see if you can revive her, old fellow. When the police get here, I should like Mrs. Holmes to be in full possession of all her faculties. I must say, I never expected to be driving back with you to Baker Street on your wedding day. <laughs> I can't tell you how happy I feel. Dear old Watson, you really thought that I deserted you, didn't you? Well, naturally, I wish you'd told me the truth. Why well, huh? couldn't tell anyone? Not even you. If the faintest shadow of suspicion had entered our mind, I'd never have called her. Well, it seems to me you paid a pretty high price, Holmes. You told me you made a will in her favor. Supposing something happens to you before her trial, she'd get the money, you know? Oh, the will? Oh, no, that was worthless. I took Diana... But it was a holographic will and perfectly valid. Well, what on earth is a holographic will? Uh, a will drawn up in uh, one's own handwriting on a piece of perfectly plain paper. Such a document is quite legal, but I drew mine up on a paper with, um, well, with a left head. That made it um, invalid. Well, I see, but the fact remains that you are married, Holmes. <laughs> I, I really fooled you completely, didn't I, Watson? Uh, uh, didn't the name of the clergyman who married us suggest anything to you? The Reverend Vernet? No, and why not should it? Well, Vernet was a French painter of some note. He also happens to have been a great uncle of mine, and, um, you, Mycroft's. You mean that, that your brother Mycroft was a clergyman? I mean that Mycroft was disguised as a clergyman. And a very convincing job he did, too. A more satisfactory clergyman than the Reverend Mr. Whalen, no doubt, whose possible complicity may compel him to answer some very awkward questions. Then you're not married. <laughs> Put myself home, but I, I don't know what to say. Then I suggest that you say nothing, my dear chap. Let's just sit back quietly, as two good friends can, and brood about the uh, mutability of human affairs. Well, Doctor, tonight's adventure was really a little extraordinary, to say the least. Holmes sure had a narrow escape. Uh, doubly narrow, Mr. Foreman, doubly narrow. He not only escaped the, the jaws of death, but he also escaped the... It clutches of matrimony. Actually, the story had a happy ending for everybody but Lady Venering. Uh, uh, Jasmine Lafleur. What about that artist fellow, McComas? How did he take it? Oh, very well. Very well indeed. In fact, in gratitude, he even painted Holmes's portrait. Not exactly a good likeness, though. One of those modern artists who paints his impressions of a person rather than a portrait. What do you mean? Well, now, let me see if... If he were to paint his impression of you, you'd probably end up by looking like a bottle of Petri wine in a sports jacket. Go ahead, Doctor. You can tease me all you want, but I'll still rave about Petri wine. And why not? The facts bear me out that Petri wine most certainly is good wine. After all, the Petri family knows all there is to know about the art of turning plump, sun-ripened grapes into fragrant, delicious wine. That's because they've been making wine for generations, ever since they started the Petri business way back in the 1800s. And because the making of Petri wine is a family affair, the family has been able to hand down from father to son, from father to son, all their skill and knowledge and experience. And believe me, that adds up to plenty. 
So, no matter what type of wine you prefer, one to serve with meals or a wine for any special occasion, choose one of the fine Petri wines. You can't miss because Petri took time to bring you good wine. And now, Dr. Watton, what story do you have lined up for us next week? Well, now, let me see, Mr. Foreman. I'm going to tell you about, uh, about a strange adventure that began by my taking a wild cab ride through the moonlit streets of London and ended Holmes and me being trapped in a luxuriously furnished cellar below a furniture warehouse down by the waterfront. Tonight's Sherlock Holmes adventure is written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and is based on an incident in the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle story, The Adventure of Shoscombe Old Place. Mr. Rathbone appears through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Mr. Bruce through the courtesy of Universal Pictures, where they are now starring in the Sherlock Holmes series. The Petri Wine Company of San Francisco, California, invites you to tune in again next week, same time, same station. The Petri family took the time to bring you such good wine. So when you eat and when you cook, remember Petri wine. To make good food taste better, remember... Pet, Pet, Petri. This is Bill Foreman saying goodnight for the Petri family. Sherlock Holmes comes to you from our Hollywood studios. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Okay, folks, another radio show listened to, and now it's time for our highs and lows of the episode. But let me first introduce my special guests. I've got with me my usual Watson to my homes. It is Pat. DJ Cristados, welcome back to 221B, Pat. Hey, Jared. Good to be here. I'm just sitting down. You caught me at the, a good time. I'm just sitting down here with some nice Petri wine, and I'm going to open up the mail here. So just kind of hold on. There's something for me. Oh, this is a weird letter. Some foreign language. I don't, I don't know what it means. Mm, probably best to leave that online. <laughs> you think? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll go find some. Maybe somebody can help me uh, this one out. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, while he figures that out, let's welcome my other guest. It is Delvin the Dark Web Williams. Welcome back to 221B, my friend. Appreciate that, Jared. And I, I, I saw some of that letter. It, it was. It said, "Aunt Day, Ari May, he Tay, Earl Gay." So you know, I, mm. I, yeah, Pat might be in trouble. That sounds yep sketchy. But I, but I don't like Earl Gray tea. <laughs> you, Just, you know what? We'll 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 talk about it later, Pat. We'll move on. <laughs> All right, the book of Tobit, March 6, nineteen forty-five. Season 5, episode 75. They packed in a lot of episodes <laughs> in season 5. Well, guys, we just heard it. Let's round the room it. That's all we can do. And you know what? Delvin, kick us off, man. Hi, low, what the book of Tobit. I hate to do this, but I'm going to start with a low. I, I expected you to. <laughs> this, this was a weird one. <laughs> well, you know why? Because I'm tired of getting teased. They mentioned Irene Atler. It's like, oh, and she is enchanting as Irene Atler from this adventure. It's like, when's, Lord? When's going to be my time? <laughs> they haven't given us Mycroft. They haven't given us Irene Atler. 
They haven't given us Moriarty. I'm like, hey, come on, quit talking about them. Can we can we have one of them in the episodes? I would love to. At this point, I, I just feel like I'm being punked again. I'm like, come on, I, I don't mention them. Like, actually have them in the story. Like, that would be cool. I'm gonna get to other stuff. Like, trust me. But I, I had to mention as soon as I heard Irene Allen, I'm like, oh, I know that name. She's the lady. And then it just moved on. Like, oh. <laughs> so, so I was just a little bit disappointed. That's all. I think Delvin missed our. We did have one with Mycroft, mm-hmm. and I think he wasn't here for it. Son of a gun. Yeah, I have not. I have not covered a single Holmes that has had Mycroft, Atler, or Moriarty yet. Someday. Isn't that crazy? Someday. <laughs> Someday. All right, Pat, what do you got in round one for the high or low on the book of Tobit? This one, I. Kind of enjoyed, and as I'm this, what I decided to do with these is as it's going through, trying to think, you know, just like we did some of the other ones, but it's more fun to kind of visualize as you're hearing it who could it be, which one did it, and all that. So I was down to two people on this one, and I was right about one of them. So, you know, I was half and half on this one, and it played it pretty good until it got to. Like, I thought it was the priest guy. I'm like, yeah, this priest guy's kind of kind of crazy. He played him pretty well. So, but I was, I was thinking to, well, maybe it's the lady, you know, because, you know, this just can't be a coincidence that two people have died already. The three people had right. died. Yeah. Three, <laughs> three people had died already. And now Holmes is and like, okay. So it was fun. I feel you on that, Pat, because like I felt like, it was kind of fun to kind of examine. The priest guy was a little crazy. I think the artist dude, I think he was Scottish artist yeah. dude, was like, like no, it's not him. Yeah. I was like, guys are Yeah. To me, the most obvious answer is the person who, t- who ties all these things together and has the most opportunity. Yeah. But, you know, I'm easily her. duped. So it was like, <laughs> eh, well. I mean, they built a decent mystery, but the whole time I'm thinking, how have the cops not looked hard at her, you know? So I... Because she was pretty, and she was, you know... Misdirection. Yes. And, and of course, even Lestrade trialed the other ones and is like, oh, yeah, you know, if he says it's okay and he didn't get it, then... She's got to be cool. I I might be stealing someone's higher low, but I got to make the comment. I about died with... uh, Holmes mentioned that Lestrade had arrested that dude, and then Watson goes, "Well, you can be pretty sure he's innocent. <laughs> if arrested him, he's probably innocent." I was like, "That's pretty funny." Anyway, let's go back to Delvin. So the high is I actually like the mystery. I, I kind of saw it was going a little bit when you saw that you know two uh, husbands died at the altar, and or was it three? I think it's three. It was three. Then, you know, Holmes is just like, I'm infatuated by her. And then it's like, well, he hasn't done anything. It's been a month. I'm like, I know where this is going. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I, I see what's going on. That that Holmes is like, okay, I got I got to get hands on on this and, and just put myself in our I, I, I wasn't going that way, Jerry. But I mean, you know, they didn't say what happened in that month, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Yeah. So what what went on there? It was like middle school, my dear Watson. You see what I did there? Oh, oh. (laughs) Anyway, I I did. I saw what was going there. And actually, if you are someone who trusts your skill set and your powers of deduction, that was a very excellent thing to do. It's like, you know what? I'll just make myself a suitor. 
and I'll see what's going on here. And sure enough, he sussed out exactly who the criminal really was in the whole thing. So I actually like that. It just occurred to me. Mycroft was kind of in this episode. It was. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Do you remember he was the fake preacher that married them? Right, yeah. But I don't, yeah. did he get any lines? No. I don't know that he did. I think it was just Holmes who revealed that later on. Oh, that was my brother, Mycroft. Yeah, I think he just mentioned it. Yeah, instead of the kind of lovesick preacher. No, no, no. She's she's part of my flock. I don't I don't love her with all my heart and soul and, and, and want to be mine. <laughs> that dude, like Pat alluded to it earlier. That voice actor gave a good performance because you could tell he did a good job of balancing that. No, no, like you said, part of my flock, but you could tell Yeah, he he really did. It's like what's what's the nineteenth century term for the vapors? Because <laughs> that's what he had. The leeches, maybe. He had the leeches. He had the leeches. Fat, what else you got? I have a what the, and the what the is how they kind of explained off kind of quickly how Holmes wasn't married anymore. Because I was like, wait a minute now. If he just got married, what's happening here? And how is he going to get out of this one? And then they kind of, well, it was in a certain paper. I'm like, what? I I didn't get that part with the paper. And it was kind of... Yeah, wackadoo and for the marriage license, wackadoo and yeah, Mycroft was faking being the preacher that married him. Okay, that one I got. Yeah, so the paper thing got past me too, Pat. Yeah, I was like, the paper thing was kind of weird, and because he had to play it pretty well for her, you know, not to really see what was going on, but maybe she was too well in playing her game that the mystery she was going on about and so but you know what was it that she was going to get from Holmes anyway that's a good question because she was all about the inheritance yeah she was a black widow if you will does Holmes have a ton of money I don't know it's hard to say he's you know because it's always if you look at his career it's kind of either feast or famine because he's a lot of times solving cases for free Mm -hmm. but then again sometimes he solves some that come with giant rewards and that's kind of how Holmes pays the bills I was reading an article about that this past week about the theory of how Sherlock Holmes pays the bills. And it's like, yeah. some of the ones he solves come with these giant rewards, like thousand pound rewards. So he's set for, I mean, back then you're set yeah, for a couple a of years time. on that, you know, who knows, I guess listening between the lines, maybe when he was out with her, he portrayed himself as having some money or whatever. I don't think it would be very hard. Everyone knows Sherlock Holmes. And Popularity. you know that saying, yeah, he's popular. You know that saying like uh, Tennessee just beat Alabama in football. I mean, which is an awesome thing in itself. But they made the saying the guy that kicked the winning field goal to win that game. It was like that dude's never going to pay for another meal in Knoxville in his life. That's kind of like Holmes. Like you think like if you're Sherlock Holmes, if you're going out, I doubt that you're paying for a meal because he's helped so many people across London that he probably can at least come across looking pretty affluent, even if he isn't. That's true. All right, gentlemen, good good discussion. Interesting episode. Like I said, I thought the voice acting was good. I thought the mm-hmm. the red herrings, especially the preacher, was good. But the entire time I was like, uh, how come I was looking at her? <laughs> so like, huh. Anyways, any final thoughts? Pat, any final thoughts before we go to scoring? I think, like you said, the, the story was pretty well crafted together. 
it was interesting. It kept me listening. Hey, that's the key. Delvin, you probably listened to it most recently because you asked me for the link just a few hours ago. So uh, something you were listening to while driving, I suppose? Yeah, I did. I listened to it mostly on the way home from uh, practice tonight and then while I was eating dinner. Ah, well, as long as you were entertained. I was. Excellent. All right, let's get into the pipe ratings. Round these parts, we do it on a scale of one to five pipes. Five means you loved it, it solved your mystery. Four means you thought it was pretty good. Three, it was good. And two, it was just okay. And one, I did not like it. It threw me off of Reichenbach Falls. <laughs> it's no good. We will start with Delvin. One, two, three, four. I'll go four of this one. I, I did like it. I felt that it was... It was more complete. And I actually liked that it, it wasn't solved like immediately and within five minutes that Holmes couldn't quite figure it out. And so he had to invest himself in it. And it took him literally a month plus to figure out what was going on. I kind of liked that. And then I did like that they took the time to tie it all up at the end. Like, nope, he's not really married to this uh, now criminal because we've explained that away too. So I liked it. It was neat. Wrapped up nicely. Uh, pretty good mystery, too. Good score. Four from Delvin. What do you got, Pat? I'm going to agree with Delvin on the four. This was one that, again, kept me interested in listening. It threw me for a loop when they're like, nope, we're just going to, a month later on, here's Holmes, and he's starting to blow off Watson, and Watson was getting kind of mad. But that kept the story going on of what's actually going on here, and it held my interest. So four. He even dropped it on him like, hey, I'm getting married tomorrow at two. Yeah. <laughs> That's your best friend. <laughs> Watson was Watson was not pleased. Like, what, wait, what? Uh, you, we, we're, we're friends. Where we live? <laughs> He's like, you got to be my best man. Be ready to buy it tomorrow at two. I hope your suit's clean. <laughs> <laughs> Watson's always so, you know, he's so smooth. And he's like, Google Holmes. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know, I'm going to agree with you guys. I think it was a four. I was a little frustrated that no one was looking at this lady from the very beginning. Very coincidental that, you know, two husbands are dead. And that's kind of where we pick up the story, right? Is the guy who's acquitted for the murder, the second husband. And then she marries that guy, the guy who's acquitted for the murder of her. And then he dies. Like, huh? So it just had enough energy and enthusiasm around it to go from what I consider not the best mystery to three to bump to a four. So I'm with you guys. We're going to be uh, open the door, get on the floor. Boom, we all right to the floor. Boom. Question for and you. Question from Pat. They mentioned that this was loosely based off of another story, right? They did. And it was, I want to say it was one I wasn't terribly familiar was, was with. I was going to ask you because you'd be a little more versed in the Holmes lore and other stories than what I am. Did it have anything to really do uh, you with know, it? I think you know? I'm going to have to let you down. I want to say, I listened to this about four days ago, so my memory's not the best, but I want to say when that part came up based on the incident that happened in, and they mentioned a story that I didn't have a good memory okay. of. And I was like, uh, well, maybe if somebody's out there listening could fill me yeah. in, you know, I'm always interested in that, how it relates to that other story. Yeah, absolutely. One of our listeners can send that in, or maybe if Jason's listening, Jason's usually kind of the go-to guy because he remembers them better than I do. But yeah, that's a good question. But I do remember, I think when they said that story, I was like, eh, I'm not so familiar with that one. So I didn't have any strong opinions on it. So by all means, listeners, let us know uh, if you know what that story was and how it ties in. 
And all that information is coming up shortly because that's it for this episode of LBC, your regulars, the Sherlock Holmes podcast radio episode. I want to thank my guests and find out where we can find them on the internet. We will start with Delvin. You can find me at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y 1977. Pat? Well, Delvin, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Jared, where can they find you? I am at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It is all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my wares at www.theyardsaleartist.com, which does include multiple different versions of Sherlock Holmes book page sketches. Come check it out. And remember, you can leave us a voicemail with your thoughts. Become part of the show. Call us at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-L-BOX. Or comment on the show at Long Box Crusade, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Or email us directly at contact at longboxcrusade.com. Your comments might be read or played on the show. Thank you for joining us. As a reminder, we could not do this show and all the other shows on the Longbox Crusade Network without the support of our Crusaders Club members over on Patreon. And you can join their ranks for as little as $1 a month at www.patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. And we'll now thank our Crusaders Club members as we ride off in our handsome cab. I've been your host, Jared Albert, the Yard Sale Artist, and I look forward to you joining me on the next episode. And Helica Wolf. Oh, Auburn Elvis. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Captain Entropy. Clinton Robinson. Dave Collins. Battlewagon himself. Ezra Gallo. Gary Viola. Gene Hendricks. Gerald Green. Jason Keane. Jeremy L. Jim Jamin, Jim Jamin, Jim Jamin, Jim Jamin. Who would you like Jim Jamin to? Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Kathy Bright. MVP. Mark Ross, a.k.a. Cluck Trent. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey67. Spreadsheets. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. And Toronto Cop. This episode features the copyright-free music Shattered Glass by C.J. Beards.